So a few weeks ago, I was driving with the kids in the car, and I think we were actually driving out to the church location for whatever reason, and uh, we're on Highway 370, we're getting ready to take a left, the lights are green, all is a go, and I start turning left, and Jake says, Dad, the, the arrow's red, and he was right. I was like, kids, I was just making sure you were picking, no, anyway, I wasn't making sure, I was like, oh my gosh, it is, but by then it was like too late to like, I was already in it, so I just turned right through the red light, um, like any good dad, and uh, it made me think to myself, how many times have we done so many stupid things, and the Lord has protected us? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, all the things, all the mistakes, all the times, whatever, we do something we shouldn't do, I mean, I've done so many, I have done well, I, the number's high, but I've done a lot of dumb things. If I were to write a book, it'd be a novel, it'd probably be a series. And one of the number one stories towards the top of that list of dumb things is when a friend and I went to San Diego. This is pre-Jesus, okay? You cannot judge. It says right in the Bible, but, you know, I didn't know the Lord. But a friend and I met in San Diego years ago. And at the end of the evening, we thought it would be a good idea to jump a train on a train in San Diego and, and, and take it to the border of Mexico and, and then get off the train and then walk across the border into Tijuana. Because, I mean, what could go wrong, right? I mean, so we, uh, we do that. We take a train. We go into Tijuana. Uh, we get into Tijuana. We sit down at an establishment. We walk into this place, and we definitely stood out. Um, bad. So we, we sit down and, uh, at this establishment, and the server comes up, and he says, what can I do for you boys? And I said, well, we'll get, have a couple drinks or whatever. And he brings back the drinks and, and he says, that'll be 30, it was in the 30s, I don't remember for sure, but he said, that's $34. And I said, $34? And I said it just like that. He didn't even have to respond. Just the way he looked at, it, at me, I mean, I knew he would throw me in the trunk of his car. I was like, okay, 34, yeah, that seems pretty fair actually. So I get out my debit card, credit card, some card, and he says, we're going to take cash. And I was like, I don't, I don't have any cash. And he said, well, maybe check with your friend. See if he has cash. And I'm thinking to myself, I know my friend. He ain't got no cash. But anyway, I'll ask him. Hey, do you have any? No, okay. Well, we don't have any cash. And he said, well, your friend can stay. This is what he said. Just like this. He said, your friend can stay here, and you can go across the street with your card that you showed me and go to the ATM. And I was like, yeah, I can do what you just said, sir. So I, it was so weird. So my buddy stayed there. I, uh, he's lucky I just didn't leave them all together. But I went across the street, went to this ATM, and... Uh, was going to take out $40. It's probably about what I had in my account. So I'm withdrawing $40 from an ATM, and money just starts shooting out of this thing like a, like a jackpot lottery machine. Well, it's shooting out not U.S. currency, but, but pesos, right? So it's shooting out of this money, and I've got, I'm, like, yes. I'm like, this is like 800 bucks. And I don't know the exchange rate, but I know that it can, this had to be a mistake. Like, I, it's blessing me with more than it should. It's like, I love you, Mexico, I'm thinking to myself. So I grab the pesos, and I walk back across the street, and I get there, and the server is still standing at the table. Just such a patient man. He was just waiting for me to come back. So I get back, and I show my buddy. I said, check this out. The server reaches in my hand, grabs the money, and says, that'll do. And I'm like, I, I mean, I was like, so it turns out it was just $40. The exchange rate is like 20 to 1. I didn't know that. But uh, I wasn't going to ask for my change, but then I thought, that might not be a good idea. I just let him keep it. So, um, but I want you to think, as I thought about that story and, and wanted to tell you that story, the reason I tell you is this. The exchange rate blew me away. I couldn't believe how much money it felt like I had. Let's pretend that I was staying in Mexico three more days. But I like, I, and I like the feel of having all those pesos because it felt like I was so much more money. I decide 
over those three days. I'm going to cash out all the money that I have, U.S. currency, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go to that ATM and I'm going to withdraw it all. And, and in this story now, the, the thing is you can't, once you, once you turn it into pesos, you, you can't exchange it back into U.S. currency. But I don't care. I want, to, I, want to, I want to take out everything I have and have all those pesos, even though it's only three days. So let me ask a question. I take out all my money. The end of the three days is done. It's time for Monty to walk across the border, back to the U.S., back home. How much money are those pesos worth as soon as I step onto American soil? Nothing. They're garbage. So you know it's almost comical to even tell that story because it makes zero sense. And the reason it makes zero sense is because I was withdrawing money, like Mexico was my home, but Mexico was not my home. I lived in the U.S. So it leads me to a point I want to start with today's message. How we live, how you and I live, depends largely on where we think our home is. It, it, it depends largely on where we, what we consider home. We're in a series called Kingdom Mindset. Say mindset. Your mindset will determine the steps that you take in the life that you live, I promise you. God says it starts in the mind. Let me transform you by changing the way that you think. So, so last week, and this is, this is kind of our illustration for the entire series, but this rope is history, this rope is history, and, and what's coming, eternity, and, and this little red piece of tape represents your life. Well, it represents the world. It represents, that's all it is. And all this is eternity, forever and ever and ever. And, and, I, and I think, well, I don't think, I know the Lord Jesus wants us to know something. He wants us to know big time that we should not be living for this little sliver. For, don't, 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 don't cash in all your U.S. currency. I wouldn't do that. You're only there for three days. You're only there for a little bit. That's what Jesus is saying. In fact, last week, we looked at the story where Jesus got so mad at Peter, he called him the devil. Okay, if Jesus calls you Satan, you're doing something wrong. And he calls Peter the devil. Why? Because Peter had a worldly mindset. It wasn't because Peter was stealing from somebody. It wasn't because Peter killed somebody or hurt a bunch of people. It was because he was thinking wrongly. Wow. So that's a big deal to Jesus. He had a worldly mindset. Repeat after me. Say, this world? Okay, that wasn't loud enough. Say, this world? is not my home. It isn't your home. This world is not your home and it's not my home. You are just passing by. You are, we are just, we are just uh, going through, but we're not stopping. This is our Mexican trip. Here we go. So the, the series, this series, the stats that I share in this series, I gathered from a book that I recently read called God and Money by these two Harvard grads. Uh, it, it, they, they love the Lord and their goal was to make a lot of money and retire, which I think that's a lot of people's goal. And uh, there's always somebody, oh, no, that's wrong. That's, I don't, it's not about my money. And I always say, well, then give me all your money. Okay? But they never do. So, um, but they, they, they start studying scriptures, and, and they wanted to know more about what God said, not just about money, about, but about his word. And they, they found 500 plus scriptures on uh, prayer. They found over 500 on faith. They found a bunch on love, of course, mercy, uh, grace, forgiveness. But what blew them away is, is there was a leader, and the number of scriptures by far wasn't even close. Like, like, over double of every other topic, God talks about money. And they could not believe it. 2,350 scriptures on it. Do you think God wants us to know something? They, they, and they were intrigued because they, they 
wanted money. That was their goal. They're smart men. They want to go to college. They want to go to Harvard, make a bunch of money. So they wanted to know, well, how much are we supposed to give as Christians? How much do we give? Not just church, but just how much should we be givers? God flipped the script on them. At the end of the book, here's what they started thinking. Not how much do we have to give, but how much should we even be keeping? That's what their mindset completely changed. And they share their, their studies and their insight and what God taught them in the book. And one of the flagship scriptures, again, we could pick from 2,350. Here's one. Matthew 6, 19. Christ Jesus, these are his words. Stop storing up your treasures on earth. Stop storing them up here where, where the rust can destroy and moths can get in and eat it and destroy it. Stop focusing on that red sliver, Jesus says, where people, thieves can break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven. Where moths and rust can't destroy, thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, is where the desires of your heart will be. Will be. Whatever, wherever you see as your home, wherever you see as your stuff and your things, that's where you're going to invest. That's where your heart's going to be. And God, I thank God desperately wants us to know. I think he desperately wants us to know that our worldly wealth, our money, our houses, our cars, our clothes, our stuff, while isn't necessarily bad, they are fleeting. Only heavenly treasures will last forever. That's it. Only heavenly treasures will last forever. Jesus is saying, store up your treasures in heaven. And you might be thinking, well, how? Good thing we have his word to show us. So, and I love, I love that scripture. Notice Jesus didn't say earthly treasures are bad. Your stuff is bad. He didn't say that. He's okay with you having your stuff and your, and your money as long as it doesn't have you. He didn't say it's bad. All he said is it won't last. That's all he's saying. It, it, he's saying it just won't last. It's just when you cross the border, it's worthless. That's all he wants us to know. For these men who wrote the book, everything flipped. And in, in, in their studies... They realize people fall into categories or have mindsets. And financial peace teaches us this too. And by the way, you already know this. There's categories like some, some people are spenders, right? How many of you say you're a spender? You like to spend. It's okay. I'm not going to. Yeah, the kids are honest, of course. So, yeah. Yes, many people are spenders. Uh, others are savers. Who's a, who you say you're a saver? You're more, yeah thinking about the future and investing in the 401. So there's spenders and there's savers. I, I had to pause and think about it for me. I said, well, God, what am I? I think I've been in seasons of both. Like years ago when I started playing uh, the hideous game of golf, like the, the hardest, most expensive game in the world, um, I was buying a new set of clubs every year. Every year. I know, sad, isn't it? So and you might say, well, why are you buying a new set of clubs every year? Because my game wasn't getting better. Okay? And I know what you're thinking, oh, it's not the game, or it's not the clubs. I know, now I'm buying different golf balls every year to see if that helps. Anyway, so, but I, I, so I've been in seasons of both. Jody, I even thought about you, and I don't think you really fall one way or the other. The only time Jody makes me nervous is if she goes to Target, and she's gone for more than an hour. Then we get nervous. I'm like, kids, get downstairs right now. We got a code red. Wait, get down, get in the car, we got to go rescue your mom, okay? So, um, maybe you don't know what you are, I'll ask some questions and we'll have some fun to determine whether you're a saver or a spender. So, questions. 
What excites you more? Traveling the world or retiring at 50? Right? Think about that. Yeah, I'm not going to make the answer, but you probably know the answer to that question. One would indicate you might be a spender. One would indicate you may be a saver. Secondly, next scenario. Let's say that you, you meet a gentleman who's 70 years old. He has saved all of his life from a young boy to an old man. He's been, he's been uh, frugal. He's been like stocking it away and 401k and matching and maybe even above and beyond. And by the time he's 70 years old, he's amassed $8 million. What is your first thought? Is your first thought, what a moron. He'll probably die tomorrow. Or is it, oh my gosh, I hope one day I'm able to have that much money at 70 years old. One of them would indicate you might be a spender. One might indicate you're a saver. Last scenario. You hit the lottery. What is the first thing you're going to do? A, we're going to Disney World. B, we're paying off the mortgage. There's actually a correct answer, and it's C. We're taking our pastor and his family to Disney and paying off his mortgage. So, anyway... That's the correct answer in case you don't know. So it's so funny because let me give you, let me give you, um, and we all spend, we all should be saving something. So these aren't, these aren't, these aren't bad things. The mindset is where, what we have to focus on. What are we bent towards? Let me, let me share with you what a spender's mindset is. The definition they gave in the book, by the way, most people are spenders. This is the mindset most of the Western world would fall into. So if you fall into this category, you're, you are with, you're the, you're the masses, you're the most. So, uh, a spender, someone who pursues the greatest possible present consumption, even if mindful of the need to save some. Let me, let me make it easier. To, they invest in the present, okay? They invest in the now. That's a spender. That's the majority, probably of you, and, and the majority uh, I've been there, so the majority of people in the Western world. A saver, by definition, someone who strives to limit consumption to some extent, focusing instead on increased wealth accumulation. They invest in their future. That's what they're doing. Here, here's the kicker about both of them. Both the spender and the saver are investing in this. Whether you're a saver or whether you're a spender, this is, your, this is your investment. It is temporal and it is worldly. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that's, that's what you're investing in. And that's what I'm investing in. Th th this was so key. So there's the spender and the saver. And God led me directly to a scripture that I believe is perfect to illustrate what he wants us to know for today. I want to preach to you out of the gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke was a doctor. He wasn't one of the 12 disciples, but he hung out with them and he knew them and he would get reports from them. So he, he, he heard all these stories and started writing them down. And he's very he's doctor, so very meticulous, very precise with detail. In Luke 12, 16, uh, if you brought your Bible, I love when you bring your Bible, you can underline and God's going to speak to you or your mobile app. Otherwise, we'll put it up. But I love, man, God's got a love letter just for you. So Luke 12, 16. Thousands of people are around at this point. Jesus has a huge following. His Twitter off the chart. Followers off the chart. So, so Jesus tells them a story. So this is a parable. It's, it's, it's a story that Jesus is using to illustrate something else. Jesus said a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. The man said to himself, self, what should I do? 
I don't have enough room for all the crops. And then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll rip down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room for all my wheat and all the other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, self, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Or you could say he invested in the future. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God speaks truth into the man's life. And God says, you fool. You'll die this very night. Then who's going to get everything you worked for? Pause. One of the first times I heard this parable, I, I thought to myself, and maybe you had the same thought as I'm reading this, you thought, well, his kids. And that's, I think, what we think too sometimes. It's like, well, you know, if we die prematurely or even when we die at an old age, what do you mean who's going to get it? Our kids will get it. We'll speak into that in a bit. So let's finish out the scripture. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. You know, I don't know if I'd have the courage to raise my hand after Jesus gave this parable, but, but since he's not standing here today, let's just say, I'd ask him a question. Jesus, how do you know the guy doesn't have a rich relationship with God? Like, how do you know that? You, you don't talk anything about his prayer life. We don't know anything about, like, as a kid, was he memorizing scripture? Was he going to vacation Bible school? I mean, did he, did he have good church attendance? Did he pray a special prayer at some point and invite you into his heart, Jesus? You didn't say any of that. Jesus didn't have to. You know, you know what Jesus was basing the, the answer on? The man's actions. He, he looked at what the man did. I wrote down, and you heard this before last week if you were here, how we handle our finances is, is directly tied to our faith. Remember, we're, we're, whatever has your heart is where your treasures will flow. You can see what had the man's heart by his actions, his, his crops, his stuff. It's so crazy. It works on the flip side, too. You remember, uh, remember the story of Zacchaeus? Remember? You guys should look at it. Come on. You even know the song. Zacchaeus was a, and a, you do. See, I told you you know Zacchaeus. See, Zacchaeus, he was a little man, but in, in, I always have to say it with an accent, and I always will. So, um, but he, his life was transformed. I don't know if Zacchaeus was a spender or a saver, but he was one or both. let's put it this way he was focused on the red he was focused on the sliver he was focused on the temporal Zacchaeus was a tax collector who would have a lot of wealth so the last thing he would ever do would be to give it away that would not be in his vocabulary well check it out he meets Jesus Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house and Zacchaeus the first thing he says you know the first words he says I'll give he meets Jesus, and he says, I'll give. Not just I'll give. He said, I'll give half of everything I have to the poor. And then he says, if I've cheated anybody, I'll give them four times as much. Do you know what Jesus said to that? Jesus makes a statement, and he, said, he doesn't say, hey, I'm proud of you, Zacchaeus. That's really generous. Zacchaeus, that's awesome. You're going to pay those people back. Here's what he said to Zacchaeus and to anybody that was around. He said, this man, Zacchaeus, he saved his, his, heaven is his home. If he dies, he goes to heaven. He, salvation has come to this house today. That's what he says. Based on what Zacchaeus said. It, it, it is, so, so what does that show us? 
I don't know, again, if Zacchaeus was a uh, saver or a spender, but I can tell you one thing. In that moment, in front of Jesus, he moved to a servant, which is the third mindset. I should have told you up front there were three. There are spenders that are bent towards that, savers bent towards that. The goal that God has for us today is that he would help us change our mindset, if it's not already there, to a servant. What's the definition, you ask? I'm glad you did. I'll tell you. This is, well, this isn't going to surprise you, this is the rarest mindset of them all. Servants orient their life around limiting both consumption and saving. Instead, focusing on giving the most they can towards the kingdom of God. In other words, they're not investing in the present. They're not even focused on investing in the future, though they'll do some of both. Predominantly, they're focused on being a servant and investing in eternity. That is their goal. They, like those two Harvard grads who wrote a book, they were like Zacchaeus, they were, they've been transformed. And now, now they serve. And they're not living for the little red sliver on the rope, but they're living for the, the, the trillions of years to come. It's so crazy. So, so, hey, let's go back. Remember the parable, right? The guy and the crops ripped down the barns, built bigger barns. Remember that? So let's go back to that. Remember the first question I had for Jesus? Jesus, how do you know that the guy, you know, doesn't have a rich relationship? We answered that. My next question I think I'd answer, ask Jesus. Jesus, who blessed that guy with all those crops? Now, now I'm guessing you already know the answer to that question. But let's not assume. Let's go to the word of God, our authority. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul answers this. For God is the one who provides. He provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase of your resources. Pause. Okay, I'm understanding. God provides. God gave that guy those crops. Here's another question I would have. Why do you bless that guy with so much then? That guy didn't have a rich relationship with God, but he's blessed with all those crops. And on that same note, why has God blessed most of us with more than we need? Because if we're honest, we know that in many capacities and areas of our life, he does. Why? Why, God, are you doing that? Well, the answer to the question, you just got to keep reading 2 Corinthians. Let's do the next verse. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can save more and build up your retirement. So that you can find the next sale at the 30% off at Kohl's, only if you use your Kohl's card, and go. I found out that the hard way yesterday, didn't I, Jody? My gosh. Uh, anyways, that's another story. So, not to save it, not to spend it, but to be generous. God just, he, he makes no bones about it. He just says it. He blesses us so we bless others. That's why he does it. The man, he wasn't going to bless anybody but himself. Okay, now, we're going to take a left turn for a little bit, but you'll, you'll stick with me. A left turn, we're not going to turn on a red arrow, because that's wrong, okay? My kids told me that. Um, leaving money to our kids. Because that, when I first heard this parable, that was my first thought. Well, he's going to leave it to his children, or, or, or you know, whatever. If he doesn't have kids, he'll somebody he loves, or whatever. So let's talk about that for a second. And, and, and kids don't get, my kids are like, what's dad going to say, right? So I'm not against, like, helping your kids out. I think that's probably a good thing. You know, you got a kid getting married, you're going to help him out a little bit. You got a kid um, wanting to go to college, maybe you're going to help him pay for college. That's okay. I don't think that's a problem. Um, 
What, maybe a down payment on a home. Those, I think those are all fine. Here's where we get into trouble. When we start wanting to leave everything in, in larger amounts to them, if you have a larger amount to leave to them, that's where we get into trouble. I wrote this down, and this is really from the book. It's not even from me, but it said, leaving some big inheritance to your kids is a missed opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. It's a missed opportunity. Well, my kids, I know your kids, they're the best in the world. They're the best looking. They're the most talented. They're the most athletic. They're going to be in the NFL, the AFL. The, okay, I get it. So, but your kids, we already, you already know this. Leaving them a big chunk of money doesn't do them any favors. How many stories do we have to, I mean, you, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Why? It's because you want your kids, well, number one, you want them to work hard. Any parent wants that for their kids, to learn how to work hard. Number two, you want them to know what it means or what it feels like or to experience relying on God. Number three, you want them to experience the joy of having to trust God. They won't get any of that with some big inheritance from their parents. They won't get it. God's not blessing you just so you can pour it onto your kids. He's blessing you so that you can bless others for eternity. And by the way, what if your kids aren't kingdom-minded someday and it's wasted? So, he wants our kids to trust him, right? And I can, by, by the way, I can think of no better way than my kids or your kids to build trust in God. I, th- I can think of no better way than for them to live with three other roommates, right? Sleep on a couch and eat ramen noodles for 67 days in a row. All the college kids said, amen. I didn't hear them say amen, but not, you know what I'm talking, some of you know what I'm talking about. I see the heads nodding. Yes, so kids, when you ask us, we'll just tell you now, mom, dad, what are you leaving us? What are we going to get when you leave? We'll set you down and we'll look you in the eye and we'll say, kids, we love you so much. We're going to leave you something that no one can take away. Memories, right? Or, or possibly a 2011 Honda Accord if it still runs. So we don't know. We'll see. Actually, what we're going to leave our kids for sure is a legacy towards Jesus. That's our goal. And parents, I'll tell you straight up, your number one job and my number one job as a parent, it isn't to leave our kids a bunch of money or things. It's to point them to Jesus Christ, who is the provider of all things. That's what you want to do. You'll leave them, you'll leave them a bunch of, if you're focused on this, you'll just leave a bunch of stuff and think that's somehow going to make them happy. It won't. It'll just help them not trust God as much or not learn to trust God as much. That's all it will do. And then you missed out on investing in someone's eternity because you invested it in that way. So again, I'm not against helping kids. I just think that it should be limited in capacity. Back to the story. (laughs) That's right. That's how I feel some days. But back to the story. (laughs) Jesus calls the man a fool. You remember? He says, you fool. You fool. You store up stuff. You're going to die tonight. Those were, and why is he a fool? He missed the number one principle that we learned last week. He thought the crops were his. You you might have forgot the part of the parable. I'll quote it for you. I know what I'll do since I don't have enough room for all my crops, my stuff, my wheat, my, my, my whatever. I don't have enough room for my. I thought it was God's. I mean, last week, that's what we said. It's all God's. He's just like letting us use it. He's just letting us be a steward to it. We're just asking him, God, where do we filter to? Who do we bless? It's easy to say. It's just not done a lot. 
But that's why we're preaching on it. So, so the man's a fool because he forgets who it is. He forgets it's all God's. God doesn't bless us just to bless us. God's trusting that we will use it to bless somebody else and impact the kingdom of heaven forever. I'm telling you, it is not a money issue. It is a mindset issue. Hands down. That's why, I'm, that's why Jesus talks about and God talks about our thinking so much. Because if, if we don't start to think differently, we will never act differently. The number, probably the number one I'd say, I'd say these are equal, probably. The number one factor that determines whether you're going to be a saver, a spender, or a servant is who you see as the source. If you, believe, if you truly believe that what you have coming in, whatever that is, is because of you, and your smarts, and your plans, and your talent, and your business, and, and your capacity, if that's what you believe, you are limiting yourself. And you are limiting, not only are you limiting yourself, I wrote down, you will always be limited and you will never experience the joy of giving the way God intended. You never will. And I never will. How we live and how we give largely depends on where we believe our home is and who we believe the source is. See, a servant, which by the way is the only option, it's the only option for a follower of Jesus, the, the servant mindset, it, it, it's it. The other ones, were missing it and were temporal. How can I illustrate this? Well, I got a plan. And let's pray that this goes well because I haven't really practiced it. So anyway, welcome to Meadows. I'm glad you're here. So, let's, what's he doing? What's going on here? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. I know. Bringing, bringing booze to church. Go figure. Metals Church. At it again. Okay. So, <laughs> our photographer comes up close. She's like, oh, boy. This, this will be photo worthy. So, let's think about it this way. God, we just said, God is the source. <laughs> That's right. So God, in this illustration, God is a $9.98 uh, bottle of champagne. So I'm going to answer for that later to him. I know that, but it's the best I got. So God is the source. You get that. We, get, we have choices. So we can, we can choose to, to, to spend, we can choose to save, or we can choose to give. So as, as God gives us opportunities and God provides, we, we're going we're gonna to pour it into one of those cups, right? You understand that. I thought about this for a second and I thought this. Let's start with the spending. I wrote down the spending, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a money issue, it's a consumption issue. This is so true. Financial peace taught me this. If we consume everything that comes in, We'll never live our purpose. It, it, it is, we, we consume too much. And I'm guilty of it too, so I'm preaching to myself. I wrote down, it's a consumption issue. And if we don't control our spending, we'll never, we'll never be able to even save or give and make it in, in a large capacity. We never will. So it starts with the spending. That has to get under control. It has to. 
We have to overcome a spender within to become servants of Christ. We have to. And you're like, maybe you're like, I, 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 it's a hard, it's difficult. Maybe you're in a habit of spending, or you, a lot of people will use it to cope with whatever. So there's a lot of different reasons. But I'm telling you, we have to pray today that God helps us because the majority of people fall in the category of a spender mindset. And if you do, I promise you, you're selling up for something so little and missing out on something so great. The saver is the next one. The saver, and we think saving is a good thing, and it is. I think you should invest in a 401k. Great idea. If your company matches, go for it. I mean, that's, that's good. So I'm not just talking about that. We're talking about when you get more and you stockpile more. The parable you heard today, that's what we're talking about. Oh my gosh, I have even more. Where can I put this? I'll give more to my kids or I'll give more to here. I'll, stock, I'll do this and I'll, I'll invest here. That is a, these both, the spender and the saver are both temporal. They're both worldly and you will miss out if that's your mindset. Either one of those. Giving. The giving mind, or the servant mindset which leads to giving. We said last week 2% of Christians even give in a capacity that is the starting point, which is 10%. And you might say, 10%, that's crazy. I felt the same way, trust me. But, but secular people and biblical people believe it's the, it's the starting point. Whether you call it a tithe or you just say, I'm giving, I'm giving back to God, doesn't matter. Here's what blew me away. I, I didn't even have this in the message, but it just made me think of something. The, the book talked about all the religions. Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, Taoism, I mean, all, every, atheism, it talks about them all. Every, every global major religion believes in generosity. Everyone. Everyone believes giving is a good thing. Do you know most outgive Christians, by and large, by far? Isn't that something? The atheist they referred to, one of the most staunch atheists, I can't remember his name, he starts at 25%. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, wow. Atheists are outgiving Christians. It, it, you know, we know Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, they've already agreed to give most of their wealth away. We're all created in the image of God. Giving, spending, and saving are temporal. The only, I can say it a different way the only mindset that flows down is the giving. That allows it to flow down. So I'll illustrate it a different way. And this is when you really want to get your camera out because this will be interesting. God, I pray this goes according to plan. And when I uncork this bottle of champagne, no one gets killed in Jesus' name. Amen. So, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, so I know it's beautiful, isn't it? All right, so what do we got here? Got that, got that. I got, I got, I got so much stuff here. I don't know who's going to clean all this up. But anyway, so. There we go. This is a more accurate picture of what I was trying to illustrate. The, God never thinks in terms of linear, ever. It never is. It's always going to impact others. Your decisions will. Your decisions about this message, your decisions with your family, your decisions at your job, it never just impacts you, ever. So, I've already prayed over this. So let's party. There we go. Don't be, don't be talking lawsuit, whoever that said that, okay? Don't be. A... <laughs> so, we already said God is the source, right? God is the source. Don't forget. So God provides to you and for me. 
As God provides for us, we have choices. And it can flow. And it can flow to what? It can flow to the, the, the saving, the spending, or the giving. Where it flows from there depends on your mindset and my mindset. So God provides, and you and I decide. And as God keeps providing, we decide. Okay, based on how that flowed, I'm going to change some things. This is giving, okay? This is spending, and this is saving. All right, thank you, Lord. So, I want you to think about something. Who's the provider? God, that's right. This is you, remember? And this is us spending, and this is us saving, and this is us giving. So, oh, this is so crazy. As we make decisions, it impacts, and, and everything below, everything below is eternity. So this is temporal, this is this temporal, but if it flows down here, it hits eternity, right? So, our spending, here's what we do as we consume. We want, God, we want God to continually fill us up, God. Of course, anybody wants that. We want the blessings of God. We want the favor of God. You'd be crazy not to want that. And I'm not just talking money. So we want God to bless us, and God desperately wants to bless you, and it flows down. But as it flows, here's what we do. We will make decisions like, mm, there's another sale going on. I got to go there and get it. And we spend. There's no way it can flow. So then we, ooh, you know, I know that Amazon Prime guy. He comes over for dinner, you know, every other week. So I know him really well. He's got something going on in Amazon Prime. We're going to get that. Ooh, pastor needs a new pair of J's, doesn't he? And right now you're thinking, you got J's on right now. These were a gift, dang it, just so you know. All right? So, but that's what we do. And all of a sudden, this is empty again. And we keep emptying it. Why? Because we keep consuming. So nothing can ever flow farther from that because we're consuming it. We're buying it. We're purchasing it. And everything that we buy and purchase, we know is temporal. Everything will be in a dump someday. Everything. So, giving. Giving is not bad. Giving, or not giving, excuse me, saving is not bad. Saving is a good thing. But when we go overboard and we start saving more than we really need to, and we get a, a surplus comes in, a bonus comes in, and we're going to save that too rather than give. We're, we're just going to save it. And we're going to, you know, we're, we're saving for the kids, right? We're going to do that. We're going to save for the kids. And we're, ooh, my friends told me about a new crypto, right? Bitcoin, Dogecoin, some other coin. They're, they're, I heard about some big thing going on. I got I to try that. And we suck that dry too. Because, because we've put it somewhere else that's temporal. We've spent it on something else that's temporal. And normally, you see why there's not much in here? You know why? Because as long as you keep sucking this and sucking this dry... Nothing, you, you have nothing to put here. You, remember who decides where it goes. This is you. This is God. Sorry, God, but okay. This is God. This is your giving. Nothing hardly in there. Because you can't. You're like, I can't make ends meet. I can't make it happen. I don't know how to make it happen. It's so interesting. The sooner that we can move, and this all depends on what? Mindset. If your mindset is spending... These will always be empty. And this, actually, they all will. If your mindset is saving, that's still not the goal because that's your total focus. And, and, and you'll always be sucking that out and putting it somewhere, storing it somewhere, stocking it somewhere because, oh my gosh, I got a panic room and I got it stuffed with soup and who knows what's going to happen, the apocalypse. So we, we, we're saving for these things and we never get to the cup that creates the overflow in all areas. So, but when God gets a hold of us and God starts to change us, Change happens, and you know that as God provides, it flows, and it flows to all three areas, 
and it keeps flowing, and God keeps blessing, and it fills up more and more, almost to the point now where it's starting to impact eternity a little bit as it drips in. Oh, get this. As I was putting this illustration together, Ava sends me a text on Friday, and uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was an automatic text from your giving, and it said, Ava has transferred $24 to you, and I was like, it's about time she starts paying. <laughs> no, she, it was for her tithe, so Ava got paid that day. I guarantee she got paid $240, gross pay, I guarantee you. So she sends $24 to me because she knows that's the first thing that she does, because we want to teach Ava to have a, a, a servant mindset that the giving comes first, and the 10% goes back to God. Do you know how much that warms my heart when she does that? It's not about the money at all. I could give a rip. My dream for my kids, just like your dream for your kids, I hope it's your dream. God, don't let this be your dream, please. Please. I want her to impact the kingdom of God. I want her to change lives, Jake, and I want your kids, and I want you to change lives. But it depends on what we decide and where our mindset is. It all flows from God. And here's the roadblock. So many of you maybe never get to this area of giving, and I get it because I've been there. I don't trust people. I don't trust the church. I don't. I, I wrote it down. I've got insecurity issues. I've got pride issues. I got fear issues. Plus, it's not normal to give in that way. Where it would, it's not normal to return ten percent back to God through the church. It's not normal to give above and beyond like many of you already do. That's not normal. It's not normal to eventually want to give more than you keep. That's not normal. Well, praise God for that. Thank God, I love hearing that. I wrote down, something is wrong if our lives make sense to the world. Why? Because the world is not your home, and it's not my home. We're created for millions of years to come. Five families gave for the first time last week. I hope you get loud for that. Mindsets are changing, hearts are changing. It's not like I sit back as a pastor, yeah, more money. I, you know what I think? Hearts are changing. Servants are being created. Strongholds are being broken. Chains are falling off. That's what I think, because it's a mindset issue. It flows and impacts others. So who do we invest in down here? Well, you'll, God will lead you to that. But I guarantee as you invest through the church, you're investing in veterans that are disabled through victory. You're investing in foster families and foster children. You're investing in kids and faculty at G. Stanley Hall Elementary. Oh, by the way, in the spirit of a series about what we're talking about, God laid it on your church's heart to, invest, to uh, adopt school number two. So now we've adopted Westmont Elementary, which is a few miles away. Praise. Their teachers are all getting appreciation gifts from you next week. That's what you're investing in as it flows down into eternity. Oh, and of course, as God keeps pouring, and he loves pouring to servants, he loves pouring, and it keeps flowing down, guess what? You're investing in eternity. 600 plus people through your church have given their lives to Jesus Christ, and God is just getting started. This is what you invest in. That is where it flows down. Man, I, I'll break open another bottle. This ain't enough. We need more, God. I'm telling you, because of you and your giving, eternity will look different for you and for others. It will. God has so many scriptures on this. <laughs> Give. This is the, these are the words of, 
of Jesus Christ give, and it will be given to you. But he doesn't stop there. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together, make room for more, running over, poured out on your lap. The amount you give is the amount that you will get back. I'm telling you, I don't care. When you trust God with what he's given you, he will bless you with what you need and more. Do you believe it today? It'll flow down and impact others forever. That's temporal. This is eternal. That's what we're investing in. And there's no greater investment one second here. I just need to, I'm just kidding. Oh, there's no greater investment than the kingdom of God. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he what? And just like this flows down, the blood of Jesus flows down all the way to you. And you get to choose what you do with it. You get to choose whether you're going to accept it and let it cover your mess and your sin. You know, you know you're jacked up. I, I know I'm jacked up. If you die with that on your soul, you still live for eternity. Just in hell. A place with no life. A place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, we don't like to talk about that. Jesus talked about it a lot. Because he, he, he died so you don't go there. Trillions of years you'll live somewhere, heaven or hell. It's not based on, it's not based on how much you give. That, that's not how you get to heaven. It's not based on how much you serve or how much you know or how much church you attend. It's based on your heart and whether you've surrendered it to Jesus. Whether you've allowed the grace of God to cover you by faith believing that Jesus Christ is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And that he died on a cross, bled out for you and for me. But it didn't end there, and this is what you should sell out to. That three days later, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords rose himself back from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death. Will you sell out to that? Will you? Three conversions. The head, I believe. The heart, I surrender. That's when, that's when Jesus says salvation's come to that house. His heart, that's not his heart. Zacchaeus, I know your heart, that ain't you. That's me in you. That's salvation. And then you know what came next for Zacchaeus? His money. It's always the last thing we give. It's just who we are. It's why God talked about it more than anything else. Surrender your life to Jesus today. Mark it on a card. Come tell us. Let us pray with you. I, I, I want to spend forever with you. That's the biggest thing today. That you would... Admit you're a sinner. Ask God to forgive your sins. Repent, meaning I don't want to do it anymore. And accept the forgiveness of God. You can be saved today. You can walk out of here knowing heaven is your home. Because hell is just as long as heaven. Secondly, I'm going to ask God to change us into a servant mindset. Anybody who's a saver or a spender, I've been there, both of them that God would change our heart because it has to happen in the heart and in the head before it will ever come out through the hands. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, oh, Father. Man, I, 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 I've been so guilty. Spending it as it comes in, some days I still do and I repent. I've been so guilty of even saving more then I know that I even should because I have because I don't trust that you're going to provide. 
And I have a scarcity mindset growing up with not much in my family. I mean, we had hardly anything. You know that. So I have this fear that I'll someday get back to those days of growing up as a kid and not having anything hardly. So I stockpile, and I'm sorry. God, change, continually change my heart and everybody else here. Here's what I know about everybody in the room and everybody watching online. Every one of them deep down wants to give. Everyone. How, how do I know that? Because everybody here is created in the image of the greatest giver that, that ever existed and has always existed, God. Father, move, move our hearts. This world is not our home. This world is not our home. If we believe that statement, our, our life today, after we leave here, will look radically different. It will start right now. If we believe you're the source and this world is not our home, it changes everything. And I mean everything. Devil, I rebuke you. We're not going to sell out to the lie that somehow that little red sliver, we're going we're gonna to invest in that forever? No one's ever repented on their deathbed and said, oh, I wish I would have, you know, invested more in my job. I wish I would have spent more time working and making more money. Never heard that. Also never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. This world is not our home. For people that need to surrender their life to you, Father, I pray that it happens now. In the name of Jesus, continually work and move in your church. God, I pray that people understand how much they're loved. But what about what they did this week? What about the things they look at? What about the people they hurt? You still love them. You, you, you don't condone of sin, but you never stop loving us. Thank you for loving us with the love that only you can. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to take away our sins and make us new. I pray that we surrender to whatever you tell us to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today, but don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.